This is Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. From the corporate office to the cab of a truck, they're here to inspire and empower women in all professions. So gear down, sit back, and enjoy. Welcome to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy DeCaro. We're a show that works to inspire and empower women in every profession and lifestyle, including the office, trucking, the trades, and even motherhood. We tackle all kinds of topics, and we work to encourage women to be their very best with informative guests and women who've been champions. I'm Shelley. And I'm Kathy. No topic is taboo on our rig. We tackle the tough topics along with the not-so-tough topics. And we like to feature experts and celebrities who can assist women in being the very best they can be. Anxiety is something many women suffer from. It's a debilitating condition for many that can crescendo into anxiety attacks and keep people from doing what they should in life. There is a way to take your control back. Dr. David Ross Marin is the founder for the Center for Anxiety and Harvard Associate Professor. He has a new book called Thriving with Anxiety, Nine Tools to Make Your Anxiety Work for You. His insightful book takes a new direction about dealing with this condition. It gives people the tools to be more self-aware, self-accepting, and resilient. Dr. Ross Marin's constructive, compassionate, and evidence-based approach won't rid you of your anxiety. Instead, it will empower you to reach your fullest potential because of it. For people who are in the grip of anxiety, it literally is just what the doctor ordered. We have Dr. Ross Marin with us today to talk about his new book and to share his insight. Welcome, Dr. Ross Marin. Thank you so much for being on the show. Shelly and Kathy, thank you so much for having me. Welcome, welcome. Yes. Oh, my goodness. This is going to be a great conversation. (laughs) I thought before we delve into what your book covers, would you mind giving us a bit of your background and how you came to found the Center for Anxiety and eventually write this book? Absolutely. So uh, I'm a clinical psychologist. And when I uh, finished my fellowship at the McLean Hospital and Harvard Medical School, and that was back in, oh, 2010, I had an opportunity to um, uh, start an anxiety clinic, actually in New York City. It's a crazy story how that all happened. But in any event, at some point, I find myself commuting between Boston, where I live with my family, and New York. And um, Wow, you did that every day? No, no, not on a daily basis. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I did it on uh, a weekly basis. I went to New York uh, on the train, and I would stay over one night, and then I would come back the following day. And uh, uh, as I was doing this, my stress and anxiety mounted pretty significantly, you know, trying to balance the, uh, the building my academic career in Boston alongside clinical responsibilities. And even though, you know, I had things set up and I, there was obviously a rationale why I did this. And there were some pretty unique opportunities that, that presented themselves that led me to do this. And I wanted to make the world a better place. At some point, it really caught up with me, especially because I didn't have much of a name in New York. And um, I actually started getting quite anxious myself. And, uh, you know, then came all the cacophony of thoughts. You know, I'm, you're a fraud. You're, who are you? You know, you're trying to, clinical psychologist, you know, trying to help with people with anxiety. And here you are. And I stopped myself and I said, no, you know, this is a normal reaction given what's going on for you. And this is the message that you need to start sharing with the world. 
Yeah, well, for the last 11 years, that's what I've been trying to do. Um, in fact, the program is called Center for Anxiety because it is so normal to have anxiety. And if you come to my program, you're going to learn about one thing, which is that it's not the Center for Anxiety Relief. You know, you might not even try to get rid of your anxiety. The, the question is how to learn to use it and how to learn to accept it and how to parlay it into a positive way in our lives as opposed to this uh, incessant cultural need to get rid of our anxiety, which is not working and actually making everything a lot worse. And that's kind of the origins of the book. Wow. Oh, my goodness. I love your perspectives here. Now, um, when it comes to anxiety, it's rather interesting because it seems like when we're little kids, we're not anxious. You know, if we're not in a, in a terrible situation at home or something, kids aren't afraid of anything. And I don't think that they necessarily have anxiety and all these thoughts of, I can't do this, I can't do that. They just go for it. What causes anxiety? That's a great question. I love the way you phrased it with kids. You know, I think kids are able to be in the moment, especially young kids. Um, perhaps less so in our generation and less so in our society, depending on where you live in the United States. Part of that being in the moment is accepting that sometimes you're going to feel upset. Sometimes you're going to feel, you know, you're not going to get your way if you're a kid. And sometimes things are going to go fine. And sometimes, sometimes not. And, and recognizing that distress is a normal experience. It happens and we have to roll with it. We got to learn to not be overly sensitive to it. And in some ways to, to move on. Now, what happens as we become adults in, in America, even teens, preteens now, is that when we start to feel anxious, we say something's wrong with me. This is a disease. I I shouldn't be feeling this way. I, um, I'm not able to tolerate these feelings. Something terrible is going to happen. We catastrophize and we judge ourselves. Kids don't do that. And for that very reason, we have an anxiety epidemic today, especially among, you now it's getting younger. I hate to say it, but especially among young adults, mm -hmm. people are older. And very young kids, though, is they, you know, they expect to feel when you when you expect to feel stressed and upset, it's not that bad. Um, when when you're having a tough day, when you're feeling anxious, if, if you expect to feel calm, happy, great, emotionally well, so to speak, all the time, you're going to be disappointed. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yep. Well, you know, it, it does seem like when kids have an overload, they'll just get on the floor and, and, and shake it out and have a temper tantrum. You know? <laughs> and then they'll bounce back a couple of minutes later because it's yeah. like, okay, like, that was a bad couple of minutes and here we are. There's no judgment of the self and there's no catastrophization that I'm never going to be able to get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I was a little kid and my nieces, I remember my oldest niece, she had a problem with temper tantrums and she just get on the floor when she was frustrated and just started screaming and flailing around. And it's like, what the heck? I, I thought, what is wrong with her? And then, you know, two minutes <laughs> later, she's perfectly fine. It's right. like, <laughs> that, that would almost be if we were adults, you'd think somebody was psychotic, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, you would. But, you know, I like to say the heart has four chambers. We can mm -hmm. have complex emotions even at the same time. And, uh, and uh, that's actually the way we're built unless we, perceive it as a malady, in which case we can actually have that self-fulfilling prophecy in many ways. So in terms of how we evolve and anxiety kind of taking us over, and you said it's hitting people younger and younger, is it 
environmental? Is this a learned behavior? Is it the brain that is just going through overload and not able to maybe work it out? Like I was giving an example of the kids just having a, a cry fest or a temper tantrum. Yeah. Great questions. So let's just talk about the neurobiology a little bit, and then I'll try to explain it from that angle. Mm -hmm. So the symptoms of anxiety, we all know, you know, shortness of breath and uh, heart, what we call tachycardia, your heart uh, increasing in its beating, um, muscle tension, um, sweating, uh, tingling in the extremities, um, you know, these kinds of symptoms, which are, which are ubiquitous. The reason they occur is because of uh, something called adrenaline. Adrenaline uh, is uh, uh, a neurochemical which um, goes into the blood when we perceive threat. So if you perceive, you know, Kathy, I think you uh, you're, you're you're a miner, right? Um, um yes. Yeah, mining. Heavy equipment. Yeah, heavy equipment. Mining. You want to talk about stress? <laughs> I was gonna say. Oh my god. Yeah. So, oh wow. Have you ever been in a situation? I, I you know to ask this. Um, it just met you, but you ever been in a situation where it was actually like potentially quite dangerous? Oh, many, many times. Yeah. Just last set, I was wow. uh, ripping above a shovel and you're at 75% uh, degree facing down, pushing. So you're on a, like a super, super incline and you, you're, you're, you're like that for 13 hours and That's you get it. to the edge and it's a, it's night shift. You can't see where the edge is. You got to push the dirt over the cliff and you're like, I'm talking Grand Canyon height cliffs, right? Whoa. And you're pushing the dirt over the edge. You don't know where the edge is. The only reason you know you hit the edge is because the whole dozer tips forward. You want to talk about, <laughs> oh my God. Oh. And you back up, right? <laughs> So you do that for 13 hours. It's, it's, oh God, very, yeah, it's intense. <laughs> so, uh, that, okay. I got, I got so many more questions to ask you, but, but you know, the, the one that's coming to mind for this is that, you know, those symptoms that I was talking about before getting your heart rate up, yeah. breathing, it, muscles sort of tensing. Is that the kind of thing that would happen when you're in a dangerous situation like that? Absolutely. hundred percent. Right. Okay, good. Yeah. What if you perceived that to be dangerous? What would happen to those symptoms right then? If I perceive the symptoms to be yes, dangerous? Yes. If you said, oh my God, something's wrong with my body right now. I shouldn't be feeling this way. I would actually stop. You probably would stop your behavior, but what, yeah. would, happen your level of, what would happen to those symptoms? Do you think you'd, your heart would raise more or, or do you think? No, I think it would decrease because oh, I really? would just stop. I think because I would stop and think about it, but I don't know. Well, usually what happens when people perceive those symptoms as something wrong, as opposed oh, they, to- like, like if you said like, oh my God, like something's wrong with my body right now. Oh, you go into panic mode sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Gotcha. Usually what gotcha. happens is it'll dump more adrenaline into your system, mm. which will increase your heart rate more, which will make you breathe faster, which will increase your muscle tension even more, make your stomach even more distressed. And then you interpret it as, oh my God, now something's really wrong, right? Now, mm -hmm. oh my God, what's wrong with me now? So that's a cascade. It's called a cascade in, in, in behavioral health, where there's a combination of the physiological experience plus our perception of that experience, which increases the experience, which increases our perceptions and around and around and around we go. And, you know, that to me is what's creating the anxiety epidemic on mass. We have forgotten that when you're doing big things, when you're, you know, whether it's working on heavy equipment or doing something else in whatever field you're in, you're going to 
feel anxious. You're going to feel tense and that's normal. You know, mm-hmm. Kathy, I love that image of you at the end of this edge of this cliff and having all these symptoms and being like, okay, I'm just doing my job. Like this is, this is just part and parcel of who I am and not perceiving it as a danger, not perceiving it as a catastrophe, not perceiving it as a malady or a sign of weakness. That to me, you know, that to me, Shelly, is why kids today, we have modeled for them. This is a disease. You should not feel, you should feel calm all the time. You should feel happy all the time. You know, look on social media. Everyone's happy all the time. Like, why can't you be that way? People say, what's wrong with me? Everyone else feels good. Everyone else is great. You know, you you add that perception and that expectation to the mix. Mm-hmm. It's, no, it's no wonder that anxiety has become such an epidemic today. It's oh, no wonder. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that because throughout all my, my public talks, I always, always, always make a point of saying that if you think like, you know, I may, it may look like I'm doing it easy, but in the moment, like it is hard and I have to self-talk my way through the fear, through the panic, through the, through the anxiety, through, through, through everything. I I literally physically say it out loud. Okay, Kathy, you got this. Just breathe. Take a minute. Okay. Feel, feel the fear and just do it anyway. And then, you know, I, I, I work my way through it. But I make a point of telling people that whatever that they're going through, yeah, it's going to be uncomfortable as heck, but how do you want to get to, how do you expect to get to the other side if you don't have those feelings, right? I love it. I love it. I never meant to say that anxiety isn't comfortable. It isn't uncomfortable. It is. It it sucks. sucks. And that's fine, but that's okay. That's part of being human. We're going to have part our emotions that are going to be complex and distressing. And this is, this is part and parcel of, of, of life and something we need. And, and here's the, here's the kicker. I mm. find that when I'm working through the anxiety and the fear, I get to the other side and uh, I, I look back and I'm like, dang, that wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was. Like right. really, really, all that time. Like I spent 10 minutes like panicking and I'm like, Oh, that was nothing. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. And I think we create it worse in our own head. Well said. We really can be our own worst enemy sometimes. Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors coming up. Dean Michael, the tax doctor here. I have one question for you. Do you want to stop worrying about the IRS? If the answer is yes, then look no further. I've been around for years. I've helped countless people across the country and my success rate speaks for itself. So now you know where to find good, honest help with your tax problems. What are you waiting for? If you owe more than $10,000 to the IRS or haven't filed in years, call me now at 888-557-4020 or go to mytaxhelpmd.com for a free consultation and get your life back. Industry movement Trucking Moves America Forward is telling the story of the industry. Our safety champions, the women of trucking, independent contractors, the next generation of truckers, and more. Help us promote the best of our industry. Share your story and what you love about trucking. Share images of a moment you're proud of. And join us on social media. Learn more at truckingmovesamerica.com. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. If you're enjoying this informative episode of Women Road Warriors, I wanted to mention Kathy and I explore all kinds of topics that will power you on the road to success. We feature a lot of expert interviews. Plus, we feature celebrities and women who've been trailblazers. 
please check out our podcast at womenroadwarriors.com and click on our episodes page. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, LinkedIn, YouTube, and other sites. And tell others about us. We want to help as many women as possible. You know, anxiety's reached epidemic proportions in society, and more people than you think have it. When we start to feel anxious, too many of us say, something's wrong with me. I shouldn't feel this way. But it only makes it worse. Anxiety should not be regarded as a disease. It's a normal part of being human. When we perceive it as something that's going wrong, it causes a cascade that can lead to a panic attack. Dr. David Rosmarin is educating us about all of this and offering us tremendous insight in how to handle anxiety with a whole new perspective. He's the author of Thriving with Anxiety, Nine Tools to Make Your Anxiety Work for You. You know, Kathy, I love your illustration in our previous segment of basically working through the anxiety so it doesn't overtake you. I had some similar experiences when I used to play the piano in public. It was definitely anxiety. Sometimes, depending on maybe the complexity of the piece and so forth that I was playing, I get on stage and I would have um, an anxiety response. My my hands would start to sweat. Mm -hmm. And of Mm. course, that's really self-defeating when you're trying to play because then your hands get slippery. (laughs) Yeah, You're trying to talk yourself out of this. It's like, come on, come on. It really felt like my body was betraying me. And then, of course, another lovely uh, aspect of that is you get nervous perspiration, which uh, that's stinky. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, oh my, <laughs> and, um, not only will this be more difficult, but I'm nobody's going to want to get near me when I get off the stage. You know, <laughs> that's funny. Shelly, you're reminding me of a story that happened to me years ago. You know, I was giving a talk to a group of high school kids. Now I've given talks, grand round talks in the Harvard Medical School at Dartmouth. I've spoken at Cornell. I've spoken at Columbia. I've done international. You know, it, these are discerning audiences that I cannot mess up. Okay, this high school kid, these high school kids. I walked in, and I'm telling you, I, I don't usually get nervous speaking in front of audiences. So I wasn't expecting it. Mm-hmm. I get up there, and I feel clammy. Yeah, my yeah, mouth, yeah. my mouth goes dry. Oh, you know, cotton my mouth. Yep. Yeah. Cotton mouth, my, my mouth, my eye sockets started feeling dry. I was like, I felt like I was stammering. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself, great, we are going to get through this just like you tell everybody else. And I'll tell you what I did. I did not fight the anxiety. I did not run off stage. I simply accepted that I'm going to feel uncomfortable for the next two minutes, five minutes, however long it goes. And I kept talking. Two, three minutes in, the whole thing was over. Done done because I didn't fight it. I didn't judge myself and I knew what to do. I had those skills because I've been teaching it to people for years. I wasn't expecting it, you know, public speaking anxiety, you know, not usually, especially with high school students. I actually think by the way, in retrospect, that's why I got so nervous because I wasn't expecting to have any feelings. Normally when I, I guess subconsciously stand up in front of an audience, I actually am feeling anxious and amped Mm -hmm. up. And I expect it. So then I interpret I interpret it as normal and then I'm able to go on. When that happened in the high school, I, I I was like caught off guard, like, whoa, why am I feeling this way? And then the cascade happened, but I stopped it. Yeah. So often when people have performance anxiety, we inter- encourage them, just keep playing, keep singing, keep talking, keep whatever it is. And the anxiety does go away. 
Um, might be a couple of uncomfortable minutes on stage, which sucks, but hey, that's part of the process mm-hmm. of, uh, of learning to perform, learning to be up there. So I don't know if that resonates with you. Oh, yes, absolutely. Now, what is actually happening in the body uh, when you don't expect to be nervous and you think this is going to be a piece of cake and you've done it a million times and all of a sudden, boom, what is happening? Yeah. Well, what happens is our our perception of threat is what signals the adrenal glands to release adrenaline into the bloodstream. Okay. So when you when you perceive, hey, something's wrong here, your body will deliver adrenaline. So it, it, if you're caught off guard and you're like, oh my God, I shouldn't be feeling anxious right now, your your body will produce more adrenaline right there and then. So we need to stop before it gets out of hand and say, oh, right, this is just anxiety. I'm good. It's not going to be forever. And then what happens is the activation of what we call the parasympathetic nervous system. The parasympathetic nervous system is a a different set of chemicals, uh, acetylcholine and others, Mm -hmm. that actually not suppresses, but it calms down the breathing rate, calms down the uh, heart rate, calms down everything. It's slower acting. It takes a couple of minutes at least sometimes more, um, but it will it will be released as long as we don't perpetuate the release of adrenaline into our system. So just don't fight it. Is that don't fight key? it? Okay. Not fight. It's the last thing you want to do is fight it. And the first thing you want to do is accept it. Okay. I'm feeling anxious. This is an anxious moment. Mm-hmm. It's going to be uncomfortable for the next two, three, five, 10 minutes, maybe 30, usually not, you know, Usually. I heard a um we had a guest the uh, the other day that was that said something that stuck with me and I, I and it, it, I think this it fits so that if you can't fix it feature it. <laughs> oh, I love it. So if yeah. you're ang- anxious and it's kind of wiping you out instead of standing there uncomfortable say maybe say something say you know what for some reason I'm feeling really weird right and then all yeah. of a sudden it, it might release it right so if you talk about it it'll it'll change the di- dynamics of how you feel. So if you can't fix it, feature it. I like what you said about feature it. In some ways, that's actually, you know, what we're speaking about here and we have been speaking about is yeah. the beginning of my approach, which is to accept our anxiety and to understand that it's a normal human emotion. It is not a disease in of itself. It is not a disease. Yeah, This is something we all experience. When we do that, we can feature it and actually turn it into a powerful force in our lives by embracing it and by using it in a positive, constructive way. I love that feature it. That was exactly, yeah. I'm going to take right? it. Oh, yeah. I'm taking it. <laughs> I thought it was awesome. I'm like, I, I do use too. that. Yeah. Can't fix it, feature it. So yeah. So in essence, what you're saying, Dr. Rosemarin, don't fight mother nature. This is just the way we're designed. And maybe human beings are just trying to control themselves all the time and they need to put a lid on it. Yes. Okay. We sure are. Okay. We sure are. And but but it's actually something something more than just accepting it, which is once we accept our anxiety, once we accept that we're going to feel uncomfortable, anxious, clammy, cotton mouth, what you said before, you know, we're gonna have these tachycardia, we're gonna have the breathlessness. Those moments are going to happen. And by the way, they happen more commonly for women than men. You know, I was going to ask you if women yes. were more prone to that. Okay. Yeah, they certainly are. Lovely, because of our horm- hormones, perhaps. <laughs> it's one factor. It's one yeah. factor. I also think that within, it, there is some sociological uh, differences between Western societies and, and other societies. I think women in, especially in America, um, in the Western world, um, take on a lot 
a lot, just a lot more, mm-hmm. um, you know, in terms of gender um, uh, than, uh, than in other societies. And there's a lot fewer protections in place. So what we have also is an increase in stress. Stress is the higher demands and lower resources. And that tends to exacerbate all sorts of things, whether it's substance abuse, whether it's alcohol, whether it's um, uh, depression and also anxiety. So I think that's probably the main factor is that we have a lot of a lot of stressed out women in our society, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, something that has to be ad- ad- addressed and dealt with. Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors coming up. Trucking Moves America Forward, or TMAF, is building a positive image of trucking by telling the story of the hardworking drivers and industry professionals who support the industry. And you can be a part of it. Learn more about TMAF and how you can join and be a part of the industry movement working to build a strong image of trucking by visiting TMAF's website at truckingmovesamerica.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our latest channel, TikTok. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. Imagine turning anxiety from something we fear into something that can enhance our lives and make it a strength. If you've ever experienced anxiety on any level, this technique is empowering and it's a unique perspective, but it really does work. Society has made anxiety something we think we need to get rid of, which has elevated it into an anxiety epidemic. You simply can't fight Mother Nature. It's a matter of accepting anxiety and using it to strengthen your resilience. Dr. David Ross Marin, the founder for the Center for Anxiety, Harvard Associate Professor and author of Thriving with Anxiety, Nine Tools to Make Your Anxiety Work for You, is giving us some great insight. So Dr. Ross Marin, what exactly causes panic attacks? Great, great question. Um, I think we've been, you know, largely speaking about it. Mm-hmm. When people have those initial symptoms and they perceive them, often they perceive it as a physical malady. Oh no, I'm having a heart attack. It oh, feels no, like I'm, one. I've had it one. Does. It does. I've had I one actually too. was tested to make sure that I hadn't had a heart attack. <laughs> Did you go to the ER? I'm sorry? Did you go to an ER? Did you go to an emergency room? Um, yes, I did. And they did. ran enzyme tests. And yep. then um, a couple yep. days yep. later, I had to take a cardio stress test and all of that. Yep. And they said, nope, you're fine. Yeah. I've seen a, some statistics, amazing statistics that more than 50% of people presenting to the ER with heart attacks, symptoms of a heart attack actually have panic attacks. Incredibly. And because they are so, it does feel like that. Like, oh my God, something's wrong with my body. Mm-hmm. Uh, when What happened after you were told this isn't a heart attack, you're fine. Did things settle down or? It did, but uh, they wanted to make sure. So the couple days later, I was scheduled to make sure everything was fine with the cardiolite stress test. I think that's what they called it. But I remember when I had the panic attack, when it was happening, um, my blood pressure dropped super low. It dropped. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was actually normally driving. rise. Sorry. It, can, it can be, it's, it's, it's not 50, 50. It's uh, it could be 10, 20% of cases to have a, a drop in blood pressure. Um, do you have any medical phobias by any chance? Or you, how do you feel around medical uh, uh, procedures? Uh, well, I don't like the sight of blood, but I've, there you go. I had allergy allergies as a kid and stuff. So I had a lot of allergy shots and that doesn't bother me so much. And I, I think medical yeah. the blood makes you feel are, crazy. You know, if I see it. Yeah. If there's a lot of it, yeah. but uh, yeah. 
Um, Usually when people have a blood reduct blood pressure reduction for anxiety, they often have uh, some sort of medical uh, phobia or uh, they don't, they feel queasy or uneasy around blood, around surgeries, around these kinds of things. So interesting. Yeah. 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 It kind of goes together. So it's the one, it's the one exception to the rule in terms of anxiety. Usually it's an increase in blood pressure, but people who have that as a Primo, uh, a pre-existing factor tend to scan have a reduction in blood pressure. So interesting. Yeah, I've learned something about myself I didn't know. When I had the panic attack, I was actually driving down the road. I hadn't eaten properly that day. That didn't help. Sure. I was on my way to dinner, and all of a sudden, I'm starting sweating and I'm feeling really weird. And I pull into a grocery store where I knew a lot of doctors and nurses went. <laughs> I'm sure. like, I, I need some help here. And I walk into the convenience counter and I said, I, I need help. And I guess I was really pale. They got me a chair right by the front door. That was nice. All the people are looking at me. And a doctor comes up and said, get a blood pressure cuff right now. And of course, oh, wow. you know, and of course, then they get the ambulance and all of that. And the paramedics wanted to give me nitroglycerin, which I refused, which looking back, I'm glad I did because yeah. that's not what I needed. And mm. So, I mean, but my body done something I'd never experienced and it was just freaky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what ended up happening with you though, is once you had those med, once you were medically cleared, mm-hmm. you weren't, you didn't, you sort of got that message into your body, so to speak. Like you really internalized the message. Like, okay, if I start to feel this way in the future, it's not, it's not an indication of any, you know, impending true medical doom. Right. right. Um, but it would I would have anxiety wondering if I'd have that again. And oh, what I would do is, is breathe. You know, if I started uh, afraid that I was going to have another attack, if you will, I would just try to calm myself down and just work through it. OK, so it sounds like you're you're you did become in some ways more sensitive to anxiety symptoms yeah. after this. And you had these ways of trying to sort of calm down as opposed to fully accepting it and just letting it go. Yeah, I never thought of accepting it, actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, usually when people's, you know, it sounds like it's worked for you, which is fine. And, uh, it, you know, if at some point it gets out of hand in the future, or, or I should say better, for people for whom it does get out of hand and that little bit of breathing doesn't calm them down, uh-huh. you really need to focus on much more acceptance. We actually even have techniques that we use in therapy called exposure therapy, where we help patients to intentionally panic in the therapy room. Oh, wow. What? Yeah. Yeah. That is one of the best techniques and best ways to overcome anxiety. And the reason why is because it reinforces what we were talking about beforehand. Anxiety is not dangerous. It is a normal human emotion. You can panic. I, you know, I'll tell you something funny. I've had patients panicking while they're driving their cars and I'm sitting in the front seat. I'm on my phone. I'm not nervous at all. They are totally fine. Yes, they're panicking. Yeah, they're heaving. But I'm not worried that they're going to get into trouble, that they're going to crash their car. Not in one bit. Not at all. Yeah, because I think with like a panic attack or something like that, people have in their head, I'm going to lose control. But it's not true. In fact, when your adrenaline is pumping, you're a better driver. You know, ask Kathy, you know, she's driving these big rigs. She's having adrenaline pumping through her system. Oh, especially going down a ramp and you're sliding sideways. This house, this building going sideways. Like, <laughs> oh my God, I can't even I've, imagine. I've, 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 had, I've been going down a ramp on, on slick conditions where the whole truck spins uh, oh 360 <laughs> and you're like, oh God. <laughs> you I'm want to talk die. about, uh, yeah, yeah. That's a little stressful. Uh, yeah, I'd say. You don't need um, roller coasters, Kathy. <laughs> nope. <laughs> 
You know, that's in some ways the message that, you know, you can handle not only, you know, Kathy, I think you can testify to this, be a testament to this. Not only can you handle handling uh, situations, not only can you handle heavy equipment when you're panicking, in some ways you're actually better at it because it makes you more focused. Your your eyes are dilated. You're more focused on what you're doing. Your muscles are in gear. Your heart Mm -hmm. is pumping. You're getting more oxygen into your system you're alert you know who the most oh yeah are? every sense is uh, like uh, alive right you're alive yeah. yeah the most dangerous people on a rig and i have the same thing on the roads i would bet are people who are falling asleep oh yeah yeah too yeah. comfortable too comfortable yeah. too distracted right they're using their phones or texting you know that's a dangerous driver we so have not, we have know. these sensors that uh, watch our eyes and these cameras and as soon as your eyes close for three seconds or more the whole seat gives you an electric shock like not an electric shock but a vibration and an alarm it goes and it, oh my god you want to talk about waking up real quick <laughs> yeah it works it's sure. <laughs> interesting i love it but they have no panic alarm right because panic isn't dangerous they expect you to be panicking in the car i mean in the when you're when you're doing something mm, yeah and that's that actually doesn't lead to accidents what leads to accidents mm. is a lack of lack of alertness, a lack of being in the moment. Yeah. Anxiety gets us. I love the word you used, Kathy. It's alive. It really brings us to a state of being awake, alert, alive. And uh, it, it doesn't feel good, but it is very functional and healthy. You know, my daughter to... suffers big time from anxiety, and I've been trying to help her with my own tools that I've used for myself because, I mean, I come from a very traumatic and abusive past, wow. and uh, I, I some horrific things have happened, so I still I still get flashes, and I try and talk myself through it, and I'm like, okay, Kathy, you know, that was then, this is not, anyway, and so, but she wow. really, really struggles with it, and I can't seem to... Um, uh, it's not really working. So, I mean, trying to get her to a psychologist. So I'm going to be buying your book, but I can give <laughs> it to her. How old is she? Uh, she's 29. Okay. She's had some trauma in her life as well. Mm-hmm. And so she's kind of, she finally said this year that she's willing to go to a therapist. I'm like, Oh, hallelujah. But, yeah. um, I'm yeah. going to be definitely getting your book to help her through. Maybe, maybe if she reads the words, it'll sink better than when mom is talking, you know, there's a difference. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like we were saying before, I think for young adults today, people are pretty hard on themselves and they don't expect themselves, yeah. uh, you know, to feel uh, people are very uh, judgmental and very catastrophizing. Oh my God, something's wrong with me that I'm feeling mm-hmm. this way. And that just makes any mental health concern substantially worse. So I'm glad she's getting the help that she needs um, or willing to get the help that she needs. And uh, mm-hmm. if in addition to whatever professional help uh, is, is, uh, you know, is a benefit to her. I'd be, that, that'd be a great, uh, it's worth, worth writing the book just for that. Oh, I'm, I'm yeah. positive. It'll be of some assistance. Your book is so enlightening, Dr. Ross Marin. I think it's going to be a huge help to a lot of people. Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors coming up. Kathy DeCaro is nothing short of amazing. She not only drives the world's biggest truck as a heavy equipment operator in Northern Alberta, Canada, she's an international motivational speaker and the author of Dream Big, an autobiography about overcoming a lifetime of trauma and abuse that led to dreams of success. Kathy inspires people the world over to change their lives and improve their self-worth. Her book will change your life 
She's passionate about personal growth and believes anyone can change their circumstances and overcome their obstacles if they believe in themselves. Her life will amaze you and seriously inspire you. Be sure to order a copy of her book, Dream Big, on Amazon.com. Industry movement Trucking Moves America Forward is telling the story of the industry, our safety champions, the women of trucking, independent contractors, the next generation of truckers, and more. Help us promote the best of our industry. Share your story and what you love about trucking. Share images of a moment you're proud of. And join us on social media. Learn more at TruckingMovesAmerica.com. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. Our perception of threats tell the body to produce adrenaline, and that can bring on anxiety when we least expect it. To work through the anxiety is a matter of saying, this is normal, accept the feeling as a normal response, and recognize there is no threat, and use it in a constructive way. Did you know that a certain level of anxiety can actually prime people for leadership? It makes you more aware, with the ability to react in the moment. Anxiety can be a blessing in disguise if you rethink it as a strength. It's important to recognize anxiety as normal and not to fight it, so the body's response doesn't escalate. Activate the parasympathetic nervous system instead. We're learning these new perspectives on a condition we all love to hate. From Dr. David Ross Marin, Harvard Associate Professor and author of the book Thriving with Anxiety. Nine tools to make your anxiety work for you. Dr. Ross Marin, I love your perspectives and the techniques you're introducing here. It really is a revelation. And I've never thought about it this way. Like I said, um, I have used calming techniques. They don't always work. So I'm definitely right. open to what you're saying. Accepting anxiety is not something I've thought of um, because I, I do have it in my head. This is not normal. This should not be here. This is an inconvenience. I don't like it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it is an inconvenience and we don't like it. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's not normal. Uh, it, this is a very human uh, emotion. And it's something we all experience. It's also something we all experience when there's adversity. And, and in some ways, the reason I wrote this book is coming out of COVID, that everybody experienced some, I mean, almost everyone experienced some degree of distress in the last couple of years. And our perception of that distress as, as indicative of a weakness on our part I think that's where we went wrong. That's really what created a cascade. Um, I also think there are, are many things that we can do to make anxiety uh, a positive force. Um, people of anxiety, you know, I, I think both of you to some degree um, have talked about it. You know, Kathy, you talked about your traumatic past, and uh, Shelly, you talked about your panic attacks. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you both. You know, do you think your personal experiences with anxiety have made you more emotionally attuned to the feelings of other people? Yes. Mm, yeah. Um, Shelly's not yeah, sure. I think so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I pick up on it. How so? Um, I Well, I'm very sensitive and I pick up energy. I pick up, you know, how just certain yep. things and I, and I can sense people. And I, I, I mean, I've been watching people for since I've been very young. As, as My mom is one of the things she taught me. 
uh, in choosing boyfriends, it was with regards to you just watch how they how they behave, and then you'll see. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but but watching closely, people, I, I've I've learned to to look at their facial features, their expressions, mm -hmm. their 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 body language, and just I can sense it. So and because I've experienced it. <laughs> many 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 times over right. um through the like especially the domestic violence part like uh it, it's almost as if i'm i can i can tune in yeah you know i think in my case i've always been in tune with people i've I, I, even when i was a kid honestly i'm not sure that the anxiety has magnified right. that or not well let me let me ask you this shelly do you think that um because of your own experience with anxiety when other people around you have anxiety and experience panic or whatever it is, you're more responsive and more aware of what to do. Yeah. 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 I'm not going to dismiss it. And I know it's real. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah exactly. There's not That's a, the biggest no, thing. Don't dismiss it. Yep. A hundred percent. And, you know, I, I certainly, it would be very hard for me to treat any patients with, uh, with anxiety if I hadn't uh, coped and grappled with uh, aspects of it myself. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I can't say I've been to the, the, the end depths that many of my patients have been to with their, with their levels of anxiety, but this is a natural human emotion that the more we are aware of and the more we're able to deal with that per on a personal level, we can parlay that into our relationships with others and actually create greater connection with them. Um, here's another question for the two of you mm -hmm. talking about your anxiety with others. How does that increase, or how does that, I should say, change? How does that impact? How does that impact your relationship with them? I guess it would um, depend on the relationship. Okay. Um, I'm not going to necessarily just come out there if it's a stranger and say, guess what? I've had anxiety. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. There are vulnerabilities there. It's like I'm maybe too much sharing. But if it's I love the word vulnerable. When you're vulnerable and show people really that you need help right now, you need support, you need whether it's whatever it is. Mm-hmm. How does that change really? And, and assuming those are people who you know, obviously, mm -hmm. does that enhance? How does that impact your relationship with them? If you can be vulnerable, I think that increases the trust in a massive way. Mm -hmm. This is one of the key mm -hmm. tools that emotionally focused therapy has taught us that can enhance emotional and even physical intimacy within relationships. When people can learn to be vulnerable, as opposed to "I don't need you," and "Why are you doing that, you jerk?" You know, it's "Hey, I'm really having a hard time right now, and what you're doing is impacting me." Mm -hmm. uh, as long as they're not truly a jerk and they will be there for you, um, you know, that is such a key strategy yeah. to share our vulnerabilities and deepen our connections with others um, in a secure way. I've always been the type of person who has empathy and I put myself in the other person's shoes as much as I can. I'm not sure society does that. And I think social media has really removed that in so many I ways. I agree. Yeah. There's a quote that I that I had. Never mind walking a mile in my shoes. Spend 30 seconds in my head. You'll freak you right out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my head's too scary. Nobody wants to go in there. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. We haven't even talked about your book yet. Oh yes, my God, Dr. please. <laughs> please. Please give us the cliff notes on what you cover. Yeah. Because this is so insightful. Well, thank you. I will tell you, you know, the, the real short cliff notes is this, that thriving with anxiety will not reduce your anxiety. What it will do is help you to accept it more and help you to utilize it in ways to enhance your self-compassion, your relationship with yourself, to learn your true limits to actually push past your own limits and to know when to do so and how to do so, to develop our connections with other people, and perhaps most of all, 
to get past anxiety in a way that allows us to achieve our our goals and dreams. You know, I, I think Kathy, what you you know, I have this image of you now on the side of a you know massive cliff in this huge, huge rig, heavy equipment, you know, doing doing your thing, and that to me is so you know emblematic of what I'm trying to show that if anxiety is an issue at the micro level in your life, it will be an issue at the macro level and usually mm. limit you from achieving what you really want and dream for. Once yeah. you accept yeah. that anxiety is just there, and once we realize that this is a tool in order to move past and to move with into our dreams, into our goals for life, it doesn't stop us and we can actually achieve what we want to achieve. We got to stop being allergic to anxiety and learn how to use it in a positive way. And that that that's the summary of the whole book. The rest is just how to do so. I'm definitely getting that for my daughter. <laughs> I love how you say allergic to anxiety. Um, I had allergy shots as a kid, so I understand that concept. So essentially, are you kind right. of desensitizing yourself? Because that's the process with allergy shots. Yeah, it's desensitizing and then also using it, using it in a positive way. You know, in some ways, yeah. the, the allergy, the allergy is not a not a bad mechanism. Uh, I read somewhere recently that uh, children who are given uh, uh, peanuts at a very young age are actually less likely to have peanut allergies. They develop yeah. a tolerance. The tolerance increases. Now, of course, I wouldn't you know we have to, you know, this has to be done under medical guidance and you have to be careful about it. Sure. But in some ways, anxiety is the same way. You know, when we build up our tolerance to these micro doses or small amounts of it, as opposed to letting it get the better of us, it becomes something that, you know, can actually just be part of life that we're okay with. As well, it's, to it's like fear, the same thing, right? I mean, before getting starting this job, I mean, fear was a, a major factor my entire life. It's the very first emotion I ever felt, even as a small baby um, being abused. So um, it, once I got this job, now every time I, I accomplish something, like sliding down the hill and not uh, wrecking the truck and turning backwards, I'm like, oh my God, well, now I'm doing something more. Well, okay, I did that and I can step further into the fear. It's almost as if I'm feeling the fear, but now I have the confidence that, okay, it's there. I, I'm still shaking in my boots um, on that cliff, but I know that I can do it. And I, and that fear almost serves as a motivation. I, I can't I can't explain it, but I can tell you one thing. I sure walk uh, with my back straighter, and uh, <laughs> um, that, that that self confidence it's it's, it's kind of obvious now. <laughs> so, yeah, sounds like you're thriving with anxiety over there. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I love the title of your book. It's thriving. <laughs> People, yeah. Today, I'm not sure all of them are thriving. Uh, we certainly are not all thriving. Um, mm. The more we try to feel great all the time, the harder it is to thrive. The more we accept that, you know, distress is part of life. Ironically, that creates an opportunity for us to clutch onto growth experiences and and uh, and and to move forward. So it's a process of acceptance. That's a critical component here. Okay. Let it happen. Don't fight <laughs> it. Yeah. Let things happen. I, and people want to control things. I think human beings are less resilient that way. They, they want to control everything. Animals kind of just go with the moment when you look at them. We don't. Yeah, animals. And you mentioned little kids before. It was a great, mm -hmm. was a great analogy. So Dr. Ross Marin, where do people find your book? And what, in a nutshell, does it cover? Because there are people listening now, I'm sure, who are saying, <laughs> I need help with this damn anxiety. 
<laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, I get that all the time. When I tell people what I do, they stop me in the literally stop me in the street and well, what should I do? That's kind of one of the reasons I wrote the book. Um, so title is Thriving with Anxiety, Nine Tools to Make Your Anxiety Work for You. Um, I was very uh, fortunate to work with HarperCollins as the publisher on this project. It is available wherever books are sold. And um, for those who are listening and get a copy and have uh, feedback, I would love to hear from you. So you can reach me at my website, dhrossmarin.com. Um, there's a contact form. Please fill it out. Let me know what you think of the book. And uh, yeah, just I uh, hope it uh, hope it manages to uh, not. I wouldn't say alleviate some anxiety in this world. I hope it manages to help us to change our relationship with anxiety because that's really Ooh, what well said. Yes, I like that. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> this is empowering, Dr. Rosmarin. I really yeah. appreciate Fabulous. it. Fabulous! Like, oh my yeah. god, I loved it. <laughs> yeah. This is a book I definitely need to read too, because there, there's, I still have moments. It's like, okay, depending on what's going on, if my stress is just through the roof, or maybe I'm engaged with in an argument, because that happens once in a while, you just start getting anxious. It's like, all right, my body's yeah. betraying me. Calm, calm, calm down. You know, mm. I use these skills every day. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I've been the big, best, biggest beneficiary of the book. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. I really do. Honestly. Thank you. This, I think, is going to be, like I said, just what the doctor ordered. And it's Dr. awesome. Yeah, yeah. It is. And Dr. Ross Marin, do you work with people remotely at all? Um, my clinic does. Centerforanxiety.org uh, okay. has, uh, um, it depends on the state. You know, there are certain licensing requirements. We are, you know, based in New York, Massachusetts, New Jersey, but there are other states as well uh, on, a, on a limited basis. Certain staff have the ability to do that. Um, but certainly call the office. We're also pretty well connected to programs around the country that have uh, relatively similar approaches. So, um, you know, for regardless of where uh, listeners are, they can always uh, check out centerforanxiety.org and um, we'll get you squared away. If it's not with us, then with someone else who can hopefully help you. That's super helpful to our listeners. Thank you for being on the show, Dr. Ross Marin. This has been a pleasure. Thanks. Have a fabulous rest of your day and hope we'll keep in touch. We hope you've enjoyed this latest episode. And if you want to hear more episodes of Women Road Warriors or learn more about our show, be sure to check out womenroadwarriors.com. And please follow us on social media. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. If you want to be a guest on the show or have a topic or feedback, email us at sjohnson at womenroadwarriors.com. Mm -hmm.